welcome to another episode of Everyday Nutrition. I'm your host, Dr. Karina Tobin. And on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Sinead Sheridan. Welcome, Sinead. Thank you, Karina. Thanks so much for having me. We are uh, former colleagues uh, in DCU. Uh, we were both doing our PhD at the same time. And you have moved on, uh, not just obviously from DCU, but also from country. Uh, give us a small bit of background on you, Sinead. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I did my undergraduate in uh, physical education and biology in DCU. And then, um, as you said, I obtained my PhD from DCU um, in the area of exercise physiology. And then following my PhD, um, I moved to Hong Kong. Um, so that was in December 2015, and I've been there since. Um, I'm working um, in the Chinese University of Hong Kong. So there I lecture on exercise physiology um, and physical activity and health. And then also I'm a researcher with the research group for sports nutrition and physical activity. So, yeah, and I've been there since. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you have a breadth of, I suppose, research expertise, but I particularly want to focus on inactivity, uh, particularly in the area of our youth. So I suppose a good place to start then would be if you could just, I suppose, discuss or let the listeners know the effect of inactivity, particularly in younger people, on their health. Yeah, sure. Well, uh Physical inactivity or inactivity, um, it has a negative impact on, on everyone's health, including young people. Um, it negatively impacts their cognitive health, their mental health and their physical health. And I suppose just to start off um, in terms of their cognitive health. So the effect of exercise on the brain um, has been widely studied and obviously exercise um, there's a particular area of the brain um, called the hippocampus, and that's responsible for uh, your long-term memory. And studies have shown that if you are regularly active and you exercise, um, you can increase the volume of that part of the brain so you can improve your memory and then you can reduce your overall risk for uh, developing um, you know, cognitive decline in later years, um, uh, dementia and um, Alzheimer's disease and then I suppose from a mental health point of view we all know that when we go out and exercise we get this increase in um, neurotransmitters or feel-good hormones and we know that exercise reduces stress and um, so obviously for inactive we're not getting that release of those feel-good hormones and yes um, several studies have shown that exercise or sorry inactivity is associated with anxiety, depression, and other mental health um, conditions. And I suppose physical health, um, and I, I'll focus probably on my area of expertise, um, cardiometabolic and cardiovascular health. So when we go out and exercise, whether that's a walk or a run, um, our body um, releases all uh, an array of chemicals that interact with every cell, every organ and system in our body, all in a very positive way. And if we, um, if we don't exercise, so if we're spending long periods of time sitting, so immediately when we sit down, 
the electrical activity in our legs shuts down and um, our caloric expenditure, the amount of calories we're burning drastically decreases by up to 70 or 80%. Um, the enzymes that are responsible for breaking down fat, um, they stop working. Okay, they, they, they decrease in their activity by 90%. And then if you're sitting for prolonged periods of time, so if you sit for longer than two hours, you can, um, it's been shown that your good cholesterol, your HDL cholesterol, decreases by 20%. And we know we need that good cholesterol to in, get rid of our bad cholesterol, our LDL. And then if we're sitting all day or you know for very long periods of time, then our body loses the ability to um, remove glucose from the body. So we're putting our we're putting ourselves um, at an increased risk of um, developing insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes. So there's been lots of bed rest studies that have shown that if you're sitting for longer than, if you're sitting a full day or lying down, you know, um, for more than 24 hours, yeah. So that's, I suppose, cardiometabolic health. And then if we actually look at the, um, our arteries, okay, the health of our arteries, when we're sitting down, um, we're not getting that increase in blood flow um, through our arteries and we need to be getting this repetitive increase in blood flow that we get when we stand up that we get when we walk when we jog we need that increase in blood flow that's called shear and um we need that to keep our our arteries the lining of our, our blood vessels healthy and when that become that lining of that blood vessel becomes damaged okay so we're not getting that exposure to shear stress then um or that 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 increase in blood flow then that's when um, we then um, find that, that it's probably it's one of the earliest um, it's one of the earliest signs um, or markers when that when that lining is not functioning properly. Um, it's the earliest event in in cardiovascular disease, and that that happens. That's been shown to actually occur in young children. Um, autopsy studies have shown that yeah, children. Um, that might have died in, in car accidents. They've actually shown that that um, there is plaque buildup in the arteries in children as young as eight years of age. So, Which I, I find incredible. Like I remember when you were doing your PhD in DCU and when you were sharing these studies with us. I mean, in my mind, and I think in everybody's mind, when we think about heart disease, um, we're thinking about someone who is older, you know, even, you know, 40, 50 plus. Um, so it's really frightening, I think, particularly when you have children to understand that it actually can occur as early as like nearly three years of age um, if kids are not active. Um, so I suppose just to, I suppose, what are the recommendations for activity? Um, I know that like screen time has increased and like I know we're going to discuss the impacts of COVID as well, which is increased sedentary behavior or inactive behavior. But what are the recommendations for activity in children or young people? Yeah, so I suppose just to start with screen time, um, it's recommended that children should spend no longer than two hours on screens or on, on screen based devices um, a day. Um, in terms of physical activity guidelines for children, it's uh, 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise um, every day of the week. 
So which can be uh, which can be pretty hard to factor in if you think about you know dropping to crash or dropping to school, coming home, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And the the guidelines for adults um, changed in two thousand and nineteen. Uh, sorry, two thousand and eighteen. In that they said that exercise had need needed to be accumulated um, in ba- at least bouts of ten minutes. But now that has changed. So children, you know they're not expected to get one like that that hour long of exercise can be accumulated across the day you know so it's not um so you know there is ways that we can get get children physically active throughout the day maybe not necessarily they might not be able to get that one bout of physical activity and that's okay because actually they're showing what what research is showing now and what my phd actually showed that it was actually the light intensity physical activity um which is anything from sta- you know um standing um slow walking you know activities just activities of daily living that actually had more beneficial um effect or was more positively associated with this these markers of of cardiovascular health such as the lining of the arteries the ability of the arteries to dilate and the amount of plaque um, in the in in the arteries that I was able to measure using um, ultrasound. Yeah, so that's actually great to understand that it's not like you know lock the door for an hour and hope to stay outside. Um, it can be you know things like uh, running up and down the stairs, um, just being active indoors with whatever games that they have. Um, it can be out in the garden. It can be helping you bring in the washing or do jobs. Uh, it can be having a dance. You know, it doesn't have to be one hour. It can be five minutes, 10 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, I think it's really important because obviously there's a lot of children um, that might be quite inactive, especially after COVID or have gained some weight. And so I think uh, it's just really important to get them, you know, they don't have to meet the 60 minutes every day target. They can start off and like any exercise is better than none. And as you said, if it's just helping out, just getting them away from the screen-based devices and actually just get and getting them up from a, um, from a, a seated position or um, uh, yeah, a reclined position because like that is sedentary behavior and that is associated with, um, it's an independent risk factor for I think 35 in total uh, chronic diseases, including cancer, type two diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And I suppose just from I know a lot of um, devices now like phones or Fitbits, they can measure steps and steps is a really kind of good measure to use with kids. Um, so generally somebody is classified as sedentary if they're not if they're getting less than 5000 steps a day. Oh, great. So I know everyone hears about the 10,000 step goal and, you know, there's not a lot of um, research to support that. It's just 10,000 it came from pedometers, came from actually Japanese studies that, you know, a couple of decades ago, but there's actually been no, um, not much data actually showing, you know, how much steps is enough. But what they have shown that if anybody is less than 5,000 steps per day, that is classified as, as being sedentary. So I think a goal should be to get children doing at least more than 5,000 steps a day and building up gradually. Yeah. Okay. And it's the same 
for children as it is adults, less than 5,000 steps is known as in, inactive. Well, actually, there is no, it's just that that actually that 5,000 steps is coming from um, adult studies, from adults. But um, yeah, like children are expected to actually um, accumulate more steps than, than, than adults. Like studies will have said that, you know, between 12, 15,000 steps for children and 10,000 for, for adults. But I think it's just important to, um, yeah, keep an eye on the pedometers and try and, and get them out of at least 5,000, you know, get them working towards, I don't know, even 8,000 steps a day. Yeah, fantastic. So to bring us back then to the research that you did on younger adults in Ireland, um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Because I think it's a fantastic piece of research that was done on Irish soil um and and it gives us kind of i think it's a great indicator of possibly where our young people's heart health um you know a, a barometer of where they are our young people's heart health actually is you know today yes yeah, so this was um a study that i yeah conducted in oh, between 2012 and 2015 so basically um yeah, I recruited um, 80 students. So they were actually 15-year-old students, um, transition year students. And um, I brought them to the lab and I did a number of physiological tests on them. So I used ultrasound and I measured the amount of plaque in their carotid arteries, which is, are the main arteries that supply your, your brain with oxygen. I also looked at the health of their arteries uh, their coronary arteries so I was able to look at how well their coronary arteries could dilate so I I um, was able to I, I did perform this on their brachial artery which is a surrogate for their coronary arteries because obviously um, to measure that in the coronary artery would be invasive so I, it was a non-invasive way of actually just assessing um, and looking at the health of their coronary arteries and looking how well their arteries dilated I measured their fitness, I measured their activity levels using um, accelerometer um, and I looked at different uh, blood markers as well, such as cholesterol. Um, I measured body composition and looking at cholesterol, um, triglycerides, um, glucose, all those traditional cardiovascular disease risk factors. Yeah, and basically what I found was that the children who were inactive so, um, and who were of low fitness, they had a significantly greater amount of plaque in their carotid arteries, 15, compared to those kids who had high levels of fitness and who were highly physically active um, and had low levels of sedentary behavior. Um, and then in terms of looking at the, obviously the, not obviously, but the children who were um, who were least active and low fit had higher levels of triglycerides. They had higher levels of their bad cholesterol. They had um, a large percentage of them were insulin resistant. Um, and in terms of their um, their arterial health, in terms of their ability for their arteries to dilate, um, their arteries could only dilate 
um, the, the children who had high levels of fitness, we saw that their arteries could dilate 50% more than those with low levels of fitness and who were inactive. Um, so, um, yeah, that was the findings. And I suppose in terms of um, what I mentioned there, the plaque in, in, the, in the carotid arteries, um, some of the, the low fit, inactive, obese um, teenage, teenagers had um, vascular aging or had levels of plaque in their arteries that is, were equivalent to what you'd see in a healthy 55-year-old male at 15. So really scary results. I mean, fantastic study, but really scary. So just to kind of recap, because um, there's a lot of information there. Um, when you scanned the artery, so I remember you scanning the artery. So you scanned an artery in the neck and you would do one in the arm with the brachial one. Um, and you were finding that the inactive children and particularly those that may have been obese as well had a buildup of plaque in these arteries but also like you talk about dilation. So that's the ability of the, the vessel to obviously expand and the blood can flow through it at a faster rate. And as you said previously, that sheer stress or that speed of the blood through the vessel is what keeps the vessel healthy. Um, and obviously this was reduced when children were inactive um, in, the, in the study. I suppose a question that really comes to mind is first of all how did you measure inactivity or fitness like how did you know this child is fit this child is not fit okay so in terms yeah in terms of fitness we did the 20 meter shuttle run test in the schools um just to so we did the yeah the 20 meter shuttle run test and based on the number of shuttles or the number um yeah the number of shuttles that the students could um complete we were able to classify them as low fit um, and high fit and we had some European data um, from a large study to actually show well if they got this level in the bleep test then they were classified as low fit and and so as we, we had percentiles for fitness there and then okay. obviously that's just so the shuttle just to interrupt you there so the shuttle test was basically 20 meters over and back over and back over and back over and back as many times as they could yeah, until they 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 couldn't yeah, yeah. until they couldn't meet the the twenty meter mark or couldn't meet the the bleep basically yeah yes. so that they weren't able to keep up with the with the with the increasing speed that was needed to um, be able to complete those shuttles yeah. and we had a heart rate monitor on them as well so we were able to basically see that they were they were giving maximal effort um, rather than just dropping out because they were lazy so when we had that then we were able to bring them in and we did the gold standard measure, which is VO2 max test. So we were able to then um, objectively measure their, their aerobic fitness. Um, and in terms of activity, we put an accelerometer on them for seven days and that was able to give us uh, the amount of time they're spending sitting. So being sedentary and the amount of time then that they were spending in light intensity activity and in um, moderate intensity um, or moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity. And I could also tell you steps per day that they were taking as well. So we had, we had that data and I suppose what we did find and we found strong associations between um, the amount of time that they were spent sitting and the amount of uh, plaque in their, in their arteries 
Now, when I say plaque in their arteries, yes, there was, we were beginning to see this build up in the lining, like no, no vessels were occluded or blocked off. You know, it wasn't, it hadn't, because when that happens or when, when that's when you're at the very far end stages of, you know, the clinical disease. So these children were having very much early signs of um, cardiovascular disease at 15. Um, so yeah, we were able to, to look at all that, have all that data on them. So in the children that you were seeing that had this buildup of plaque, was it just in the sedentary children? Because I know you had kind of low fit, medium fit, high fit. So was it the kids that, that were low fit, sedentary children? And the reason I ask is that I suppose, does any type of physical activity that children are doing, um, I suppose, protect them? I mean, you don't have to be a high fit kid. Um, doing loads of sports I suppose is normal activity of going out and playing with your friends or you know um, just being normally fit does that protect you from this onset of heart disease at such a young age yeah obviously this was a cross-sectional study but what we did find was that there was stronger associations for the time that the children spent in that light intensity physical activity and for example their 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 vascular uh, health in terms of um, the plaque in their arteries or their ability for their arteries to dilate. That was actually stronger, stronger association than their time spent in moderate to vigorous physical activity. So I think from a public health point of view, we should be focusing more on light intensive physical activity and accumulating that throughout the day um, and perhaps move the focus away from that moderate to vigorous activity. Obviously, that has tremendous benefits but it might not be achievable for a lot of people or children particularly if they're obese it might they might be turned off by the idea of but I think just yeah any form of exercise um is better than them doing none so which it kind of is fantastic to hear and kind of like great for parents to hear because the thoughts of I suppose for a lot of parents particularly you know I mean working parents are non-working your your life is so busy and to hear that you don't have to, I suppose, um, plan it in so much that it literally can be like walk to the shop instead of drive to the shop, uh, go to the playground. You know, those light activities that you obviously have to plan into your day, but at the same time, you don't have to be there at a certain time or do it at a certain time. And I think it's the same for like adults. I think we went so far towards the like, you know, you have to do a hit session and you have to do a zumba session and you have to do this, this, that we kind of forgot to move in our daily living. Whereas we know now that that's actually the most beneficial thing and it's the most sustainable thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how then, I suppose, is this, you know, the fact that these children who are sedentary are experiencing, you know, an onset of cardiovascular disease and at such an early age, do we know then how that's going to affect them later on in life? Um, and my second question is, you know, can you reverse it? Yes. Yeah, so in terms of your first question, so if these, these children just remained as they were, didn't, you know, remain sedentary, remain with low levels of fitness. Yeah. Over time, we would see further if we were to measure it again we would see further increases in there because with aging anyway we we all experience this build and being exposed to you know our our being exposed to I suppose um 
diet as well would play a role um you know with children as well some fast food and just just western diet um can play a role there but obviously we all experience this this increase in in um in the increase in plaque in our arteries but for these children it's happening quite early on and um, if they're not going to do anything about it it's going to be accelerated so typically we would see clinical manifestations of cardiovascular disease such as a heart attack at around I don't know maybe in in, in 60 year olds and onwards but um, the fact that these children were presenting you know signs early signs of the onset of you know premature cardiovascular disease then um if they didn't do anything about it or if they don't do anything about it then they would um be having those events cardiovascular events at a much earlier age so i suppose yes the good news is that ever those markers that we looked at they can be um reversed um through through exercise yeah, through, through through exercise and through decreasing our our prolonged um, sitting time spent sitting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, exercise can play a powerful role in our cardiovascular health at any stage of life. But obviously, the earlier that we implement that into our lifestyles, the better. Fantastic. Great to hear, really. Because um, I don't think it's you're ever too young or too old to have some type of physical activity in your life. Um, so moving slightly then on to the impact of COVID, because you've recently published a paper around the impact of COVID and on, on metabolic health and also on cardiovascular health. So just for the listeners, when we talk about metabolic health, we're really talking primarily about, you know, insulin and glucose. Um, and then again, cardiometabolic health is all around your heart health. So can you, I suppose, share with us uh, your insights into the effect that COVID is after happening or having um, on our physical activity and perhaps our health? Yeah, so um, we actually had some data uh, from um, adults in, in Hong Kong. Um, so they were a mean age of about 20, 22 years of age, between 18 and 35. So we had previous data from them from another study. So a lot of, obviously there's been a lot of research showing that physical activity levels have declined since COVID. Um, there has been a decline. Fitbit data shows there's been a drastic decline in step counts since COVID. Um, and obviously an increase in, in, in screen time and sedentary behavior. But there hasn't been many studies that have actually looked at the effect that COVID has had or has had the data of people who, um, pre-COVID and, and post-COVID. So we actually wanted to see what effect COVID had on physical activity and sedentary behaviour of um, a young, young, young adults. So um, we had that previous data pre-COVID when they took part in another study and we contacted them and we asked them then to self-report their, their physical activity and their sedentary behaviour. And the previous study had been conducted in 2017. So what we found was that there was, um, in the 2017, 50% of those adults were meeting the guideline for physical activity for health, which was 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity. And then in after or since COVID, um, this had been decreased by 30%. So only 20% of them were meeting the physical activity guideline. 
And then in terms of sedentary behavior, there was a 14% increase in their time spent uh, sitting as well um, as a result of COVID. So, so then obviously a huge impact then on their metabolic health. I mean, you've already referred to the fact that sitting can um, increase your resistance to insulin. So I assume then that you're putting, the more you sit and particularly the more we, I suppose, continue the behaviors that have nearly been pushed on us by COVID, um, the more at risk we are, particularly of things like type 2 diabetes and you know, a cardio, cardiovascular risk. Yes. And so obviously with COVID, um, everything shut down, all universities, it's very difficult to do research. But what we did do is we recently published a meta-analysis, which is just basically a collection of all um, papers or, or some, basically we pooled all together studies looking at the effect of breaking up sedentary behaviour and we looked at it on vascular function. So again, from my PhD, that uh, looking at how well the artery can dilate. And um, altogether, we found a total of 26 uh, studies. And um, from those studies, we were able to, um, yeah, we, we analyzed these studies. And basically, we, when you look at short-term um, breaking up sedentary behavior, so short-term interventions, things that we can do throughout the day, you know, like every 30 minutes, breaking up um, sitting, prolonged sitting for uh, two minutes, doing some light intensity physical activity. And we found those studies, um, they showed that you could improve the dilation of your artery by 1.5%. That's what the research has been showing. Now, 1.5% doesn't seem like much, but actually research has shown that if you can increase your, uh, a 1% increase in that dilation of the arteries associated with a 17% reduction in, um, in your risk of um, a cardiovascular event. So it wow. actually is very clinically meaningful. Yeah, so again, we need to shift the focus away, I think from actually, you know, moderate vigorous physical activity and exercise and actually just break up our sitting time with doing some short light intense even if it's, you're in the office and you're going to the photocopier you're going to the bathroom just breaking up and the majority of the studies they they would have broken up the sitting time um every 30 minutes some 20 minutes and they compared it to obviously um people who conditions in which people were just sitting all the time so obviously when you when you get up from a seated position and you even um, just walk, you're, you're getting that increase in shear, that increase in blood flow that helps to keep the artery healthy um, and stop a buildup of um, LDL or bad cholesterol into that um, artery. Because once that lining becomes damaged, then the bad cholesterol can actually then build up in the wall. So if we can... Yeah, if we can just keep that repetitive increases in shear in that blood flow throughout the day, that can have tremendous benefits on our cardiovascular health. I mean, I, I know what we're talking about is really serious, particularly, I mean, for everyone, but also young people. But the really great thing that I am positive thing that I'm taking out of it is, is that really, it's really accessible to have good heart health. You know, you don't have to be, 
you don't even have to like exercise, really. You just have to be aware that maybe every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes, jump up from the desk and run downstairs, jump up from the desk, yawn, you know, just move, really. Uh, Go talk to a colleague. Okay, if we're not in the office, like many of us, you can, you know, go downstairs for a glass of water, you know, simple things like that. But it's the really accessible. And I think you're right. Public health messaging makes it sound really scary. You have to do 150 minutes of vigorous intensity ex- exercise. You have for kids, you have to do 60 minutes of exercise every day. Like it nearly seems like a mountain decline. Whereas if we can distill down the message into easy, accessible, that just means that you need to get up from your desk every 30 minutes and walk around for a couple of minutes. That just means that for kids, you can go out into the garden, you know, before school, they can go out for five minutes. Um, you know, and then including breaks and school and whatever, it may only mean that they only they can run around inside or outside uh, for 20 minutes after after school. Um, so I think we need to really make it more accessible to people. And that's the really positive message that you're kind of telling us, Sinead. Yeah, absolutely. Like even just having kids having a little Fitbit or something on them, you know, um, you know, it doesn't matter if they're not part of the sports team. It doesn't matter if they're not, you know, competing at a high level. It's it's in terms of their health. If we can, yeah, I suppose, encourage them to be reaching some, you know, very attainable targets, step count. And yeah, just getting them to, obviously the big thing is removing them from these screen-based devices because we've seen it now more than ever. There's been online, well, particularly I've seen it in Hong Kong. There hasn't been, up till about two months ago, there has been for, you could say, 14 months, there's been online learning for children as young as four on a computer all day. Um, you know, it's so, yeah, it's COVID has, you know, definitely in, increased the screen based behavior, but also um, it was there before COVID. It was there before COVID. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, we definitely need to uh, limit the amount of time they're spending on, on, on the screens. We know as well that's associated with snacking as well. So, you know, that's further um, increasing the risk of obesity and all those conditions that we've talked about. So, yeah, it's, it's really, I suppose, parents have an obligation to be aware of, of how much time their children are spending on screens and to try and put a limit on that and yeah just yeah. just break break up that sitting yeah. absolutely yeah and I think some days it's easy and some days it's hard and you just have <laughs> yeah. to roll with it as well and say I'm going to be better tomorrow um, um yeah I'm not a mother so <laughs> yeah well I just know I'll, some days I'll I'm come good. back to you I'll yeah, come back some to days you I need to break <laughs> and unfortunately the tv does come into that Um, But you know what, then, you know, when you're, you're better the next day, you know, you can't beat yourself up over it either. I mean, you have to just, I think what you said, like, be aware, I think awareness, um, and then trying to just factor, you know, normal exercise or normal activity into your day. So I suppose that kind of leads nicely then into my final question, Sinead, of, what like from what we have discussed what practical what one practical piece of advice would you give listeners 
I suppose, to encourage, you know, younger people to exercise or motivate them to be healthier? Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, I suppose we, we, with kids, we have to, um, there has to be some sort of extrinsic motivation there, like they're, they're quite young, so they mightn't be in, intrinsically motivated to be active. So I think if you're, particularly if your child is inactive, um, doesn't like exercise, I think, you know, we reward kids for so many things, like we reward them, you know, for doing well in school, you know, uh, doing well in math, you know. So I think we should be maybe encouraging them to a simple thing like a like a, a Fitbit or just some sort of pedometer and, you know, reward them for, you know, achieving maybe some targets and steps a day. It doesn't matter if it's walk, to run, anything. But I think that's one way we could start off because kids you know, they may not be lovers of exercise. So particularly for those kids, I think there might be, you know, and obviously behaviors track over time. So, and if, you know, we can get kids to, um, yeah, if we can, we can motivate kids that way to start off with, then hopefully that will then continue and track. Um, because as you said, it is sometimes difficult to get them away from the screens. And um, so I think they're, yeah, for, for younger kids anyway, if there was even some sort of a star chart or just something and they were they were reaching um their or or that they were only maybe the opposite, that they were only spending X amount of time on their on their on their devices. I think um yeah and I just think as well just simply going out for a walk with with parents and parents can be role models for children and just simply yeah, getting out and, and, and doing a bit of walk because it's not just the physical health, it's the mental health and it's also the cognitive health. Um, Absolutely. Yes. And it can kind of be a family thing, really, like it's benefiting everything. I do think that's a really good idea um, with the, you know, we motivate kids, we reward them for so much. And we yeah, we put reward. emphasis on academic achievement and if we can be putting emphasis on something that um, is good for their long-term health, you know, um, then I think, yeah, and hopefully then though we, you know, behaviors do track over time. So if we can get them physically active um, and reducing their, you know, from an early age, then hopefully that will, will continue with them then into, into adulthood, you know, because children at this stage, you know, particularly young kids, they're not going to understand the, the benefits of it on terms of their health or, you know, like maybe a teen, in, in secondary school, absolutely they'll, they'll learn about that. Um, but like for primary school kids, for young kids, I do think we need to um, have some sort of maybe extrinsic motivation because they're too young to understand, you know. I agree. And, and I think like I remember when we were young and I remember mom and dad used to drag us out to climb a mountain or go for a walk. And we'd be like, oh, we want to do is watch TV. Uh, but now both myself and my sister do the exact same things. So it does track over time. And even though you might think like it goes down into their subconscious, it actually does. So it is a really, I think as parents and just for general health for ourselves as well, I think it's just a really important thing to share with our, our families. So thank you so much, Nate. This has been so insightful. Um, if listeners want to find out more about your research, where should they go to? Um, 
they can go to my, they can go or they can go to Google Scholar or ResearchGate or yeah, absolutely. Um, and they'll they'll find some of my my research there. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sinead. Thanks, Karina. It was lovely to catch up. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Nutrition. Please hit subscribe and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. And please join me on the next episode soon. Oh.